0: it's mitch from respectmyregion.com back with another episode of the north american weed tour podcast episode 50 today we hit the 50 spot today i have special guest monica garcia joining us from sonoma county how are you doing today
1: i'm doing amazing thank you
0: awesome i didn't even give you your title monica is the co-founder of cloud 11 business we'll get into in a minute but third generation cannabis industry hustler she has done a lot um, if you read in the description, you can see she's worked from the legacy market to corporate cannabis to micro businesses. So this will be a good conversation spanning a lot of cannabis. I had to hype you up. I'm not going to make you hype yourself up. <laughs> um, yeah. So how are we doing today? And could you fill me in? I know you're at the, at the new office. Give me kind of the rundown of, of cloud 11 and, and where you guys are at currently at this moment.
1: Yeah, this is actually a really special day. Uh, thank you so much for having me be on Respect My Region. I am super excited about today because it is 1111.
0: And
1: uh, that is definitely my favorite number is 11 and cloud 11 kind of stems from that as well. So 1111 is special. Today will be our anniversary and moving forward. So super excited. We are in our office today in Sonoma County and just opened and we're a consulting and management company and we're just excited to team up with a really great group of people, so. Uh,
0: I didn't even think of that, that it is 11.11 and it's cloud 11. <laughs> I didn't even, I don't know how I didn't see that, but that is pretty uh, serendipitous. Right? Is that the That's right pretty word? special. I'm, yeah, <laughs> that is that is awesome. So consulting, you've you've been in this space quite a while. As I said in your introduction, you've worked on various sides sides and sizes of scale in this space. Um, Give me a little bit of your personal journey in cannabis, you know, kind of what's brought you to this point.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Third generation. So my dad actually got us involved back in the day and uh, my family is pretty much has always been in the hustle meaning my you know my sister my brother my nephews you know just um a lot of my cousins i have a huge family so you know really just started um distributing um aids in high school because <laughs> i was able to get it from cousin rudy and uh yeah that's kind of just how i started and then fast forward after um, having three kids and a daycare i decided to turn my Garage into a cultivation, so that was about five years, and I was uh, pretty much producing OGs at that time. And mm. my pounds were going for about three thousand five hundred to four thousand a pound. That was back in the day, good good numbers back mm. then. And then fast forward to that, you know, I've always wanted to be part of the cannabis industry. I just knew that it was someday going to be legal, so I started to work for various companies, all startups, of course. Um, it's, you know, fallen, come and gone. Um, but my real, real corporate job was working with Canacraft, And, um, you know, they gave me a great opportunity to really understand manufacturing and distribution. And then from there, uh, working at New Tropic So I was able to actually grow a company to close to over 200 employees. And that was really awesome. So, you know, these corporates, you know, they did give me a lot of um, opportunity to learn. Um, but what I've found out is I just want to be my own entrepreneur and, you know, really create a team of people that I want to work with.
0: That's awesome. And, and you have such a unique perspective to have had that corporate experience, that side of it that gets a bad side from the legacy market traditionally. But then you also come from the legacy market. So you kind of have seen all sides of the industry. Um, yes, I have. I feel
1: like I could bridge that gap a little bit
0: yeah and you know with california you know it's it's no surprise like coming from the legacy market obviously the accessibility of cannabis and the stigma was is a little bit lower on cannabis in california (laughs) than than the rest of the world i know we still have a ways to go and obviously with legalization it's broken down a lot of walls but california's been very blessed with a just a i don't know a higher tolerance for cannabis culture you know um, what was it Definitely. like growing up and, and kind of cutting your teeth in that market pre legalization, like the stigma around cannabis? Like how how did you feel? I mean, clearly your family didn't abide by the propaganda <laughs> stigma that was yeah. put pushed on to most people. But how did you kind of feel fitting in the culture out there and kind of the stigma growing up in that?
1: Well, a lot of it was secret. Right. Because like I said, I had three kids and I was a coach and I you know coached them in many sports. So a lot of it was just hidden and it was a secret for a really long time. Of course, my family knew about it, um, but I always worked for uh, large corporations, so I always had to hide that. Um, yeah. And you know, I'm a daily I'm a daily stoner. I can <laughs> I will admit, you know, I've pretty much been smoking about twenty years every day. So, you know, it was definitely something I had to hide. Um, and yeah, a lot of people really didn't believe that I, this is something I really wanted to do, and uh, now they they believe it. so it's it's crazy. it's it's something that I had to have hidden for a while. and now I can be entirely open about it. And I'm very passionate,
0: yeah. and that's, you know, even for myself personally, the, the the biggest blessing in legalization has been that stigma where even myself who doesn't abide by that stigma, but feels more comfortable, not only talking about it openly, but also talking about my past. And it's always a trip to think about exactly how secretive and how selective the people you even told you were a user, let alone deeper ties to <laughs> in the industry, exactly. um, you know, to now where it's like, I can openly talk about that. It's like it's a resume experience, you know, it's kind of a weird, weird phenomenon.
1: And speaking of resumes, you know, I was uh, an HR and a recruiter for 15 years. And so I thought it was really cool when I started to build my resume that I can actually put all of my cannabis experience on it. Mm. So even the traditional side. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's got to be a trip, man. That's that's got to be a trip. And so we're we're now we've gone through the legacy, we've gone through startups and corporate. You're getting, you've been doing consulting for quite a while and and hustling on your own right. Give me, I I know we've spoke a little bit off camera, but what are some of the moves that Cloud Eleven's working on right now that you can let you know that are that are you could share publicly? What are, What are some of the things you guys are up to?
1: yes so i'm super excited my other uh, co-founder her name is luna moon uh, we've been really hustling together trying to get cloud 11 up and running and then we just um just actually uh this is big news so amber wilson is coming on board as a partner as well with cloud 11 and she's going to be spearheading our sales department so she's president of sales and uh we just got some really big accounts um One of them is with Carlos Du and Superbad. So we'll be taking over um, all of the sales portion for him. And uh, Cloud 11 actually is getting an investor, which we're really excited about. So uh, we're going to be really growing our team and hiring. So um, some of the things that we do is we also still broker. we, we broker license to license, so we definitely help a lot of legacy farms help move their product, um, because that's definitely something that they're struggling with right now. So with a lot of our connections that we have all from Humboldt all the way to San Diego, um, we're able to you know help a lot of these legacy farmers because some of the things that they don't do is sell right? They're mm-hmm. really great at cultivating. So we're really fortunate to help them out. So brokering is still something we do. Um, and then we're also bringing on brands. So we have Super Bad being one of them and we have some more up and coming. And those are brands that we're gonna sell into dispensaries and uh, delivery. And that's kind of what we're working on now. And then we're getting ready for Hall of Flowers and Emerald Cup.
0: Awesome. And 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 Emerald Cup will be up in your neck of the woods, you know? Yeah. So. Yes. Um, that that's a benefit. I, w- I want to get into that in, in a little minute. Uh, but you know, for the brokering, I think what's so important and what, what stands out is like you said, working with legacy farmers the people that have been cultivating for a long time that really know cultivating. And they, even if they know how to sell cannabis, this market selling it as a consumer package, good and marketing, it kind of goes against everything that you used to do <laughs> in the market and being secretive and not telling anyone, you know, you, you trained yourself to how can I let is the least amount of people know I do this to now, right. how do I let the world know that I do this? Um, <laughs> and that puts you in a unique perspective to be able to help those people and that you've seen both sides. How, how has that been um, working with these people and what's kind of internal satisfaction that you get from helping some of these people that have been around the block for a while, but acclimate to this new new world that we're in?
1: Well, like I said before, you know, I, I like to say that we bridge the gap, right? So, you know, a lot of these legacy farmers, they they just want to cultivate, that's all they wanna do. And, you know, they don't, they're not doing the hustle and bustle and going out there and, you know, the networking and meeting everybody. And so it's really nice to be able to, you know, work with these farmers who have trust in us because we definitely know the product really well. Um, We've been doing it for a long time, brokering on the traditional side, right? So we definitely understand the material and besides that, it's like, how can we help them with their seeds or their clones or their genetics or anything else that we could possibly do to help their farm? And, you know, that's something that we were really passionate about and going out there and helping these these farmers just succeed. So, yeah, that's it's something that we're going to continue to do. And, uh, you know, an emerald emerald triangle is, is a different place, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's very unique and we're really fortunate to have the relationships that we do.
0: Man, that is awesome. And so when it goes to just looking at the market, you know, whether you're going from, you know, helping with the wholesale transaction from, you know, farmer to store or ultimately thinking to the end consumer, what are some of the things that you take into consideration when looking at product and understanding how it's going to be priced and, and how to move it? What are, what are some of the components of, you know, raw flour that you look at as really important keys?
1: yeah there's there's actually we're kind of going through that right now some of our cultivators they're just so different and we have the farms that are you know the depth game is is really big right now and so a lot of the pricing for indoor cultivation has gone down. so you know we really have to understand the market on the traditional level because it does make Sense on the legal on the legal side as well. So you know, looking at their material, we have to just make sure you know is it priced right? Is it is it going to be able to move from the shelves? You know, how is it cured? Um, you know, those are the things that we do help with. Um, but you know, the indoor game for genetics is really strong. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm really fortunate to to work with some of the best um people there in the game and and one of our guys his name is Jay in, in Richmond Oakland and proud to say that he's going to be our cultivator for my brand iconic that's coming out. Um his problem is he just doesn't have enough space to to grow enough mm. of his product. It's literally as soon as it's cut it's sold. So that's a good problem to have. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of farms, you know, that that don't have that craft farming, so we definitely have to get uh, very creative, you know, when it comes to moving their type of product.
0: Absolutely. And, I, and I'll vouch for, you know, the one time you pulled up on me with some weed <laughs> in Vegas, it was some kill, man. I think you had some runts. I can't remember where it was from, but you had some runts and it it was yes. some kill, man. So, I, you know, I yes. have to pay homage. You know what you're doing. So
1: thank you. Thank you. I was super excited to have these, you know, chillums and be able to pass them out with the best, you know, product inside. So we definitely got some great reviews. And I think Nelly actually smoked it in Vegas right before his concert. So that was cool.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah i you know when, when you get you know a freebie like that right you're not you expect the quality to be low and i was like i don't even know i was like let me just try this out and i was like i mean i already saw the flower before actually that's what made me try you show me the flower and you're like this is what's in that and i was like all right yeah i gotta try that
1: right <laughs> i love that that is
0: so awesome so it was it was definitely good but so taking it back up to you guys are located in Sonoma County which is you know has a lot of heritage in agriculture when we look at wine clearly it's like the wine capital of the world well I don't know about the world but the US Um, and also it is the epicenter for cannabis industry events when you look at you know traditionally like you know I believe secret sesh was held up up towards that area Um, you know, you got Hall of Flowers up there, the Sonoma County Fairgrounds. I mean, Emerald Cup, I believe is the Emerald Balls happening there. And just so many different events have happened up there. Um, what is it like kind of living up there when you're, when you're off the map, you're more of a tourist destination, if you will. But when the cannabis industry converges, they seem to converge there.
1: Yes, uh, we Santa Rosa definitely is a special place. I was born and raised in Hillsburg, which is wine country, so wine and weed pretty much my whole life. I truly believe that you know when people come all over the world, you know, to to this region, um, they want to experience the best wine, and I think that's definitely going to be the same thing when it comes to to cannabis as well. And people want that experience, and they want an education as well. and so some one of the great things. Uh, my sister and I are actually licensed in Santa Rosa for our distribution and manufacturing and one of the things that i feel is needed is to have more of a showroom and education when it Mm. comes to cannabis and i want people to be able to come to santa rosa and have that same type of experience that you could with wine so that's something that um, is in the works currently Uh, but really happy my sister is a ceo and i think there's probably less than 10 percent of women who actually are licensed here in california
0: wow wow yeah it is you know I've, I've interviewed a couple of women uh as of the last few weeks to talk about you know talk about that i can't i'm not sure of the statistic i should have looked at beforehand but you know female ownership <laughs> in this industry as a whole is is very very low what has been your perspective because i mean obviously you're not new to cannabis you've been around here for a long time what is your perspective as a woman in this industry, and not just a woman, but also a woman that's sat at high level seats and and also been a you know owner of a company?
1: Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Um, you know, I'm I was born um, just really always being that hustler all the time, and uh, just a little tidbit: I was a martial artist for a really long time, um, over 20 years ago, became a world champion, and it was a man's world. Right, so I'm really used to being in the game with a lot of men. Um, for me, I don't feel it's necessarily a challenge. I think I just love it so much, and there's just so much for me to to learn from everybody. Um, but I do know that for a lot of women, it's it's a struggle, and I want to make sure that I can be that. I don't know, I'm really nervous right now. No, I'm no Super works. passionate about all of this, and you know, I want to be a leader. Uh, and for a lot of women who are coming into into the space um i do get a lot of phone calls uh, from a lot of women who who just want to work in the cannabis industry and they say monica how do i get involved how do i get my foot in the door can i learn from you you know i'm building this amazing team so that i can actually hire more you know more people yeah. and more boots on the ground and for us to continue to educate you know each other and learn and and be a bigger team but it's it's a struggle right now for a lot of women. It's a hard industry to be in for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's male dominated. You know, there's one point in Vegas, I can't remember where I was at. I don't think you were there. I was talking to somebody, I was like, they're playing a 50 cent song and they're playing like one of his pop songs. And I was like, Man, I wish they were playing this. And they're like, Man, <laughs> none of the girls would like that song. And I was like, Look around this room, man. There's no <laughs> girls in this room. <laughs> right? Why are we catering to the women with the music playing? There's no women here, man. So But it was just in that moment, you know, obviously as a a male and especially white male, I I hold a lot of privilege. Right. And like I I understand that it's male dominated and he's goofy and as jokey as that is. But in that moment, (laughs) you know, looking around this whole party and being like, I think I can count on like two hands out of how many hundred people here are are women, you know. And, um, you know, I hear so many stories. From from women that have to deal with just crazy things that you have to be put into and, and you know situations and and uh, just the way relationships tend to unfold in a male dominated industry. Uh, there was an article that came out on Beard Bros after MJ Bizcon. You know, kind of is a frat culture boys club. And again, I, I have the privilege where I don't really know. Yes. I don't operate or think or or I like to say I don't treat people like that. So I'm kind of naive. You just don't.
1: Like, you don't. What? <laughs>
0: but i get like i get it you know and so it's it's definitely um it's uninspiring when you hear that perspective from other people because cannabis is a is a community driven thing right it took the community it was something we shared as a community in the legacy market as a secret it's something the community took to push to legalization and i think that community aspect is so important to continue to hold each other accountable and make sure that we're pushing forward with like Positivity, right? Like we're trying to change the world.
1: <laughs> we are <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's been the best industry. I've met the best people. I have new friends, new family, just from just from working in this industry.
0: Absolutely, and you know, and on the on the topic of Vegas, you know, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit about networking because I know we connected on on LinkedIn before we met in person, yes. and then obviously we met in person at Hall of Flowers and you were a broken foot out there on us, on us, you know, hobbling around on one leg and it's not an event that's friendly to, you know, just move around. It's a big, there's a lot of ground to cover, you know, and you're on your feet. Um, So how important is it to get out there and and network with the people?
1: Super important. You brought up LinkedIn. LinkedIn has been amazing to me. I have pretty much have found a lot of my partners from LinkedIn, Mm. to be honest. I use it every day. I have amazing followers. I engage and I'm just constantly, you know, reaching out and trying to meet as many people as possible. The coolest thing is I did that a lot during the pandemic. And then when Hall of Flowers came, I was actually able to see a lot of people face to face. So that was really cool. And especially in Vegas as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah it's super important to get out there and, and network you could, it's so important that's like the biggest tool that i have is networking
0: and what do you think you know for well, we'll start with linkedin and i'll move to, to like physical events in a second but what are some of the you know the, the tips or and you don't have to think of it as like my top three tips or anything like that but what are some of the pointers that you would give someone of like You know, hey, I'm on LinkedIn and I kind of dilly dally a little bit here and there. But like, I don't how how you know, what would you tell someone like what are some of the pieces you're like, this is how you really leverage this platform?
1: Yeah, definitely. And um, the first thing is, you know, making sure you have a pretty good bio about yourself and making yourself stand out and being unique. Um, Second is, you know, really engaging. So making sure that you know, you're following the right hashtags that you want. Cannabis is awesome on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I've gotten deleted on Instagram, so that's, that sucks. But LinkedIn is, is pretty professional. Just continue to make it professional and business oriented. Um, but definitely continue to engage and, uh, try to connect with as many people as possible. That's, that's kind of, yeah, just got to keep doing it every day.
0: Absolutely. You know, everybody always looks for like the cheat code when it comes to the internet, right? Like, how do I put the least in and get the most out? And like, ultimately you get in what you put out, right? And and that engagement and just, you know, meeting people digitally, networking, messaging, and not even just shooting messages, but just like you said, and get, scroll your timeline, like <laughs> things, put your thoughts yeah. and opinions on it. Like, it's crazy, but you can build relationships that started from comments, you know, it's it's truly crazy. Um I do have a
1: funny story.
0: Spill it, (laughs) fill it, man. Let me hear it.
1: So um on LinkedIn, I Carlos do actually uh about March, he actually reached out to me first. And I thought he was a startup company. I laugh at him now, he knows this. And I turned him down. He actually wanted me to work with him, and I turned him down. So when I saw him in Vegas and I saw his company there. I reached out to him because I remember messages on my LinkedIn and then the next day we met and that's, you know, that's how the business started. So I also, <laughs> I also put him in my car um from LA and drove all the way to Oakland so he could meet my cultivator. So I actually <laughs> had him in my car for about a good seven hours to pick his brain. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. He's, he's trapped at that point, man. He
1: was so trapped.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a mob, but, But that's funny, you know, and that's the funny thing about, you know, Mm -hmm. what what the power of LinkedIn, right, of taking it. And like you mentioned it earlier of the pandemic of like taking these relationships that don't just the community, the the community of cannabis or the cannabis community on LinkedIn, especially the business community is is not that big. Right. And so when you get pretty heavy in that engagement and community building on the Internet and you go to a Hall of Flowers or you go to a, a Vegas, then it's like I'm. I'm not seeing people I don't know. I'm seeing all these faces I've seen in little thumbnail yes. photos, right? And and you can just the icebreakers are super easy. So, what are some of the the tips and thoughts that you have in terms of someone making sure they go to a Vegas or a Hall of Flowers? Like, how do they best leverage that for networking?
1: Uh, you know, definitely. Um, I always say you know make your appointments, and you know it's super super important to make sure that you're in. You know, setting appointments and and reaching out to your, your people on LinkedIn and, and following up. I actually met Joey on LinkedIn. I don't know if you know that mm. and got, I got you guys some business.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, from yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, it's just, that's what I would say. Just make sure that you're, you know, you're there at a certain spot, making appointments, people are coming to you. You're leveraging all of your networking skills, business cards, social media, um, and and just continuing to do that every day right now with cannabis. It's it's really about putting your face out there as much as possible.
0: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. The opportunities in this space are are quite literally limitless at this current place that we're at, right? Like where you start today, your trajectory can be so high tomorrow as opposed to tech or maybe some of the other corporate worlds you come in where the, the ladder is defined and the way you climb those steps. Maybe you skip up a step or two, but it's like, you have a five-year plan that's pretty standard right where in this industry like fuck your, your two years could be you know <laughs> exactly. it can completely change
1: right so I, I mean people in this industry are so amazing and you just got to continue to to engage um, i also really love um, different platforms uh, weic with kyra reed uh, lady jane society um, she's really amazing when it comes to bringing a lot of women together uh and you know constantly just you know watching podcasts Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and just learning all the time and that's what i do every day i'm on linkedin as soon as i wake up in the morning
0: every day Uh, yeah i i don't know about it in the start of the morning but i'm on linkedin every day for sure and i you know i'll echo that like anybody out here that wants to make moves in the cannabis industry you got to be on linkedin and you got to spend Five to 10 minutes a day will be one of the most meaningful investments you'll ever put into this space.
1: I agree. I agree. It Thank is cool people.
0: And so <laughs> I've, I've got a question for you and I, and I put you in the hot seat a little bit. So being in California, seeing cannabis so much as a broker, where is the best weed in California grown?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to have to say here in, in Sonoma County. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I uh, you know, love, love Sonoma County, but now there's a lot of great places. It really just depends on um, what you're looking for, right? Because I really truly love, you know, light assist. You know, I really mm-hmm. like a lot of the the sun and um, that you can't get from indoor, you know, cultivation, right? But um, yeah, I mean, I would say Sonoma County. <laughs> okay,
0: oh, I'm not mad. You know, that's right in the, you know, somewhere in the middle of the Bay and Humboldt, which you know, sometimes there's the fight where the Bay obviously is indoor grown. And, you know, Humboldt and and Mendo the Triangle, you know, that's that's outdoor and then, you know, in between, whether it's Santa Barbara, Santa Rosa or Sonoma County area, that's, you know, the light depths are, you know, you guys are going crazy on the the greenhouses right now. Um, And so that's another thing, you know, back to, you know, this your your prediction, which I, I also like coincide with the belief that, you know. California and specific areas of California are going to really be known as like the Appalachian areas for the cannabis plant in the future. Um, Explain a little bit more just your thoughts of like the parallels of where you see cannabis kind of mimicking wine and wine country.
1: When you think of you know, your wine experience. You know, when you go to a lot of the wineries and you're doing wine tasting, um, I'm you know, you get to actually you know, taste a lot of different types of wines. I'm hoping that that's going to be the same case, um, for cannabis, uh, when we can have smoking lounges, right. and I'm hoping the laws would change soon enough for that because then you're able to actually taste before you buy, right? So, um, but there's an education piece to that too. People love to see, you know, why you know, why am I smoking this? What is the terpenes? You know, what are the cannabinoids? Like, how was this grown? How, what was your style? Everyone has a different style, right? Um, and I think people really want to learn those things. It's uh, it's still a question for a lot of people. People really don't understand all of it. So um, I think there's an excitement to that um, when people want to come to this region and want to learn, and that's going to be from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So...
0: Absolutely. And, you know, and that's, you know, I think about I'm not the biggest wine drinker, my wife is, but when you go to a winery, right, I mean, we go to the store, you buy one bottle and, you know, you're committed to that bottle, right? When you go wine tasting, you get an array of, of, of glasses. They're usually varying in the, the 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 types of wine. And you usually get with that some sort of education of why is this wine white and this one's red and then this one's pink, right? And you in that experience you discover oh i actually like rose you know i never knew that before and and rose is made this way that makes sense why i like it or whatever you know (laughs) and so i very much agree with you in in cannabis that there's you know the education component is is so huge so huge and without that right you can't understand why you like something as opposed to something else or I like this, so maybe I'll try. You know, I like this genetic, and this genetic is a parent of this genetic. So let me find. You know, kind of go down these lineages to find what I like.
1: Yeah, and you know, right now it's all about THC content. When a lot Mm -hmm. of you know buyers are going into dispensaries, and okay, what's the most THC? Right, so it's just in time. It's not going to be that. I I feel that it's going to be about terps, and and people will start to get educated on that
0: yeah and so for you for the people out there you know most of the people out there that watch this are from the industry so they get it but the people that don't do you need to buy cannabis off thc percentage what what's your what's your thoughts
1: no not necessarily i mean believe me i love great weed <laughs> that has that big THC. But on a daily, that's not what I'm smoking every day. I definitely love my sativas in the morning. <laughs> and, and um, you know, I love that sun grown, like I told you. So, mm-hmm. you know, different different flavors um, for sure. But that THC, that's probably when I wanted to go to sleep <laughs> yeah. at night
0: absolutely and so another thing that i want to ask you about um when it pertaining to the california market like one of the challenges that's very unique to california is distribution simply because of the sheer geographic size of the state but also the geography and you know the the emerald triangle we speak about you know you're getting hours of dirt roads through no service to get there and la is a long you know you can drive through washington and oregon you know, and you get the same, t- it's the same time for to get from Seattle to Northern Cali than it is to get from like, you know, Mendo to LA, right? And so what are some of the challenges that you've seen through distribution in California?
1: Wow, there's a lot of challenges right now. <laughs> Where do I even start? <laughs> um, wow, okay. Right now, I mean, I guess the challenge is just not having enough retail space, right? Just, I think there's, Hopefully there'll be more by next year, but just not having a lot of shelf space is one of the challenges. Um, people are definitely getting a lot really creative when it comes to direct to consumer and delivery right now, so um, the game is is changing just a little bit in regards to distribution with uh, direct to consumer. Um, but it, yeah, it is it is really hard, especially when you're in beverage. I was actually working at Kind House, and beverage is really, really hard to distribute. It's very different. It's on different pallets. It's heavier product. Um, So that's one of the challenges right now is beverages and not having, like, the really big trucks. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, I I think distribution is definitely... uh, making changes right now in regards to how they're doing things. Back in the day, a lot of distribution companies would pick up all the brands and do all of the sales and would just want exclusivity. So that's changed in regards to distribution. Now they're like opening it up a little bit more. Um, I'm, I'm totally tongue tied right
0: now. Oh, no worries. Like
1: thinking of all these things and I'm still super nervous talking to you. But you know, definitely distribution is going to be a challenge for a little uh, for a little bit longer, I think. But um, I'm I'm actually starting a distribution company. So I'll be going through those challenges myself.
0: Yeah. And the one that you hit on is beverages, which it, it honestly doesn't get talked about very much. You know, most of the delivery trucks in this space do not have you know coolers in them right they're not it's not like the beer yeah. industry where you're only delivering beers so you keep everything in a certain temperature environment right and i've heard a lot like up here in washington the rosin market being like dude you guys transport our rosin and then store it in a store and it just gets ruined because you're not handling it right right and so with beverages you're absolutely right is like how do you for consumers keep the cost super low which really helps drive purchases in this market but then also distribute something that's incredibly heavy and takes up a ton of space and added cost of cooling. Um,
1: Correct. And then, you know, the problem is still cash, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of cash handling, which is really scary still. So hopefully, you know, there'll be some banks opening up soon for cannabis.
0: Yeah, that's an issue. I mean, you know, you follow the blacklist or just regular news, you know, there's quite a bit of uh, I don't mean yeah. to laugh. There's quite a bit of negative sides of, of carrying, you know, large quantities of cash with drivers stopping to get gas and you know, there's quite a bit of horror stories. And, yeah, it's you know, still
1: a little scary out there. Yeah, <laughs> They're it's, looking it's, out for those white vans.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I like, saw so I'm driving with my wife, I always see one and I'm like, I wonder if they have a bunch of weed in that car. Like, what do you mean? I was like, that's the that's the van that they use for weed. I, I don't I don't even know what else somebody would buy <laughs> that van for at now. this point.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> and, and, that, and that becomes a hard issue, right? For the distribution companies. Like, do you brand your truck or do you not? Right. Cause you essentially putting a target on it by putting exactly. it. Exactly. You know. So they
1: choose not to brand their trucks yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's yeah, it is, it is quite wild. And, and so, you know, another thing I want to you know talk about is, you know, in a lot of these emerging states, the price for the end consumer is quite high when you go to cannabis, I think there's a couple contributing factors to just the supply chain of having to have that distribution license, the cost of electricity, water, real estate, the cost of distributing across a big state. What, what are some of your thoughts on just pricing out there and then how honestly how the pricing we will say not the pricing, the tax structure is keeping the black market uh, pretty healthy out there?
1: Yeah, that, that's that's the saddest part, right? Because of those high taxes for, you know, all the way from the manufacturing to distribution to retail. So, you know, and then to the consumer, it, it gets really pricey. And right now the market, it's flooded, right? So, you know, cultivators are not gain, getting the same um, price points as they were last year. So... Um, that does make a difference in the price point when it gets to the consumer as well um, on the retail side. So it's, it's a challenge right now. Um, there's a lot of really, really huge grows that are able to be in the game with the right price point, but it's, it's those that middle ground, You know, the people that actually have the indoor grows right now, the cultivation, um, they're having the hardest time moving their product right now with price points.
0: Right, right. It, it's, it's, it's quite difficult. And I'm personally a little bit passionate about if the government would release some of these tax restrictions, which would, I mean, I've never known the government to do so. I think one of the states, I can't <laughs> remember is it Colorado, one of the states is actually, I think they're actually talking to the state to, to peel back the taxes on cannabis, which I just am like, hopefully we can kidding. champion them. <laughs> Because you know, you look at they said California. I think they said eighty-four percent of the cannabis sold in California is still in the black market. And when you think of yes. legacy versus today, right? Like what we were paying thirty-five, forty, and eighth for that quality level five years ago is now, you know, eighty to a hundred dollars out the door. You know, that's Correct. double, triple the price. It's hard to justify you know it's not hard to understand why the black market is thriving when you look at that type of price gap you know and and it's truly built on the taxes right if the taxes weren't there because that's ultimately what it is you take the taxes away and then you have black market pricing you know that's
1: yeah yeah so hopefully you know that that will change soon because yeah the black market's definitely thriving right now so
0: yeah which is, you know, shout, shout out the legacy, shout out everyone that, that pushed the yeah. line and, you know, keeps doing their thing. You know, as, as we move towards legalization, right, there's the inevit- inevitable looming federal legalization where, you know, regulation is going to change, but the opportunities for people are, are, are going to great, you know, and we want to see, you know, me personally, and I'm sure you want to see people transition from that legacy to this market and to be able to thrive and make a legitimate okay. business out of their crap. The, of their the sad
1: thing is there has been a lot of legacy farmers who've decided to go legal but uh, just didn't make it. Mm-hmm. They didn't make it. So that's, the you know, then they just go back into the black market.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's the thing, right? Like that's what you've been doing. That's what you've generationally been doing or doing for 20, 30 years, right? Like you quite literally, I don't know anything else. This is all I know that's how it. to do. And if, whether it's, you know, it wasn't legal when I started doing it. And so now that I'm back to that, like, you know, <laughs> it's definitely right. something that you see. Um, and so, you know, another thing that I want to ask you, know, we're talking about California in California and a little bit positioned nationally. But as we move towards this federal legalization and, you know, we understand there's going to be a demand for California cannabis, do you feel and i mean and i feel like we kind of covered this but do you feel like california is still going to remain the top dog in terms of oh, we yes. are the culture we are the, the quality standard
1: i truly truly feel that um i, I think you know california is, is is always that way with wine i don't see it being any different with weed so yeah we're, we're definitely you know we're rock solid here in california and you know we've been doing this for a long long time <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. And that's what, what was I talking to? I was talking to Graham from uh, Glasshouse Farms and that's what he a comment. A quote that he said that stuck out to me is he said, the black market has told us there is a demand for California weed, even in states <laughs> that have legal yeah. cannabis. People will still pay extra to import California weed to their state. And that's, I think, a true yeah, indicator. It's, a <laughs> yeah.
1: it's still happening. <laughs>
0: you know I, i'm from the northwest and you know i think i think we got some good smoke up here I, you know I, tr- I try and claim the west coast in general maybe not just <laughs> california but i you know i do have to bow down when it comes to the genetics the culture and you know who's really kind of setting the tone what's popular in california it, it might it becomes popular in washington and oregon but i mean most of it you guys start you know
1: Right, right. There's some there's some really amazing people out here with the genetics. And, you know, that's something I've been following for a while now. And so I'm really, really excited to work with a really great team in Richmond, Oakland, and, you know, more on that in the future, but uh, definitely coming up.
0: Yeah, we're I'm super excited to see what you do with Cloud Eleven and, and, and your vision for Sonoma County, you know, and whether it's your role in it or your just vision for how that area looks in general. Um, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for five, yeah. ten years down the line to, you know, take, <laughs> take a trip out to wine country and, and see, explore that, but then also explore, you know, the true potentials of what, what cannabis is going to look like here in five
1: years. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is uh, an amazing time for Cloud Eleven right now. I'm really excited with the partners that I have on my team, and you know we're really going to be going out there in a big way. So you'll be seeing a lot of us.
0: Hell yeah! Well, thank you so much for hopping on this podcast episode thank with you. us today. Um, appreciate the you know the support through the years as well. But you know, very much for making your time today, and uh, yeah, man, just thank you. <laughs> Thank you 11 11 <laughs> uh, yeah I, I, I can't get over that that's dope so we're 11, 11 <laughs> talking with cloud 11 man this is a North American weed tour podcast episode 52 that's another milestone we're hitting all sorts that of weird numbers so today awesome. it's it, it was meant to happen so thank you very much Monica really appreciate that um, where, where can people find you too? before we get out of here we got to plug that where can where can people find you find Cloud yes 11 right
1: yes please um, you can find me on uh, we just started a new Instagram so our IG is cloud11inc and it's cloud spelled out 11 inc uh we're working on a website currently right now but you can definitely find me on linkedin monica garcia connect with me um would love to connect with anybody i'll be actually touring all throughout california so um make an appointment
0: hell yeah well thank you for hopping on and i'll, I'll probably see you here in palm springs here in a couple of weeks man it was, that's, i that's will be wild. there
1: <laughs>